From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, May 16th, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PIC, that's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season, and it's easy. Just fill out your lineup, two starting pitches, three outfielders, and the rest of your infield, and then follow the action live on your DraftKings app. Now, I don't play regular fantasy baseball anymore. The season is just way too long, and I feel like I'm a pretty good fantasy baseball player, which means I don't want to have to wait until the end of the season to see my reward. Well, at DraftKings, that's not an issue. You can put together a different lineup every single day with a chance to win big money every single night. And guess what? There's a new DraftKings baseball feature. It's called Arcade Mode. This is even better. Five hitters and one pitcher. That's it. Just five hitters and one pitcher. And you can put together a different lineup again every single day with a chance to win every single night. And it's not just baseball. DraftKings has something for everybody, even during the Stanley Cup playoffs and NBA playoffs. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Welcome to the show on this Tuesday morning. Now, as you know, I usually record Mondays and Thursdays, but because Game 7 between the Celtics and the Wizards was last night on Monday night, I wanted to wait until after the series was over. I wanted to wait until after Game 7 to record the first podcast of the week. So here we are. The Celtics win Game 7 last night over the Washington Wizards at the TD Garden, 115-105, to 105, and it sets us up for an Eastern Conference final series between the Celtics, the number one seed in the East, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, the number two seed in the East. Game 1 of this Eastern Conference final series is Wednesday night, tomorrow night, May 17th at the TD Garden. Tip-off at 8.30. All of these games in this series are going to be on TNT. So game one, Wednesday night, tomorrow night, the Celtics and the Cavaliers at the TD Garden. I bring in my producer, Pete Needham, joining me on the show today. What's up, Pete? What's up, Pete? It's been a little bit. I know. I haven't been here in a while. It's been a little bit. You guys have been working hard back there at Beantown Athletics. I also want to say uh, thanks for everybody who joined us over the weekend for Chaos for Kids, which was the charity wrestling event put together by Beantown Athletics and UFO Wrestling. Thanks to everybody who came out. Thanks to all the sponsors for the charity wrestling event. Now, I should let you know, Beantown Athletics and UFO Wrestling, you guys reached your goal, Pete, of $10,000 raised for the Leahy Hollering Community Center here in Dorchester. So, uh, congratulations on that. Nice job. It was a great event. What a day. You have, you have fun? What a day. How's your jaw feeling? Oh, that brought me back, baby. How's your jaw? It's good. It's, it's good. good. Yeah. I gave you a little sweet chin music there. <laughs> By the way, um, I know everybody saw it on Twitter, too. I Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you can't acknowledge a good super kick, good sweet chin music, you know, there's people that just like to ignore good shit that I do, that I that I put out there. If you can't acknowledge it, a, a, a good super kick, good sweet chin music, then fuck you. That's the way I feel about it. It was professional grade. Right I there. thought that was... And by the way, 
Like, that was the first time. I said this going into this event. I knew I was going to be sort of the MC. I was really the ring announcer. Yeah. You could call it MC. I was the ring announcer for UFO Wrestling for that event, for Chaos for Kids. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, go look at my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We put together a wrestling event, a charity wrestling event, in the parking lot of Beantown Athletics. It was outside. There was some concerns for some possible rain. We lucked out. We didn't get hit with any rain. It was definitely cloudy. Uh, it was not a sunny day. It was not a warm day. <laughs> it was fucking cold. It was freezing. Uh, but we we avoided the rain somehow. And the event was great. It was like, what, from 5 to 7? And uh, I said going in. You had about 100 people here. More than that. Yeah. More than that. We had a video game truck oh, yeah. on the street in the back. We had raffles. Gave away two scholarships uh, for the Leahy Holland Community Center summer program, which it's not, a, you know, it's not cheap. To go to those things. No. So, I mean, the two big scholarships, raffles, Beantown Athletics. You guys had a nice little gift pack. You had the the dine-around dot, right, with a couple of the restaurants. What, Landmark, Blasi's, and Lucy's? Lucy's, yeah. Lucy's, those are the three restaurants here in Dorchester. By the way, this is a free read. We went to <laughs> Landmark. It was my first time at Landmark, right up here in Adams Corner in Dorchester. And it's Linwood Pizza. <laughs> solid pie. I wouldn't say it's Linwood, but it's, it's Lin- solid. Well, it's pretty close. Well, how would you describe it? I would because describe- I would describe it as the closest thing to Linwood Pizza yeah, at definitely. Landmark in Dorchester. It's called Landmark. It's close. It's close. What what the what sauce. makes it so different? I think the sauce is a little. Is off. it different sauce yeah, or is but, it just but, but a that's little? Fine. I, I don't I, think. I don't want it to be the same. I don't. I don't. Think, I don't think I want it, to have different options, Pete. I don't think it's different sauce. It is. We had this conversation at the table. Maybe a little extra sauce. Night. I think it's a little extra. Of the sauce that they use. Right, okay. Usually at Linwood. But it's Linwood Pizza. It's phenomenal. It's a free read. I'm not <laughs> going to get a free pie out of this. But guess what? I just, I'm here for the people. I'm here to let the people know. If you're looking for a Linwood Pizza and you're not looking to go all the way to Linwood Cafe, uh, Lin, the bar, Linwood Bar and Tavern, I don't know. What, are they, what is it? What is it? It's, it's Linwood Cafe. Linwood Cafe. You can right here in Dorchester at Landmark. All right? That's the deal. I actually think Landmark's Pizza is better. That's what I'm going to go out and say. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that was part of the Dine Around Dot raffle that somebody won at the wrestling event. But I said coming into this event, Pete, I told the people on the podcast that I had never been, I'd never stepped foot in a wrestling ring. Like I've been in, you've been in boxing rings, you know, growing up as a kid at the local community centers. We all had, there was always a boxing ring available somewhere, right? Um, I, we've been in boxing rings, but an actual wrestling ring? Like, I was curious to know what that thing would be like. And it's funny, the first time I walked into it was, I'm walking up and there's this girl that was singing the national anthem. And what, 15-year-old girl singing the national anthem, did a great job. And I'm walking up and, you know, her father says, all right, go ahead up to the ring. And so she's behind me. So I, as I walk up the steps to the ring, I'm thinking to myself, and this is something that I ne- never thought of. For, my, for myself, how am I going to get in the ring? <laughs> like, I think, like, because I'm not the tallest dude in the world, all right? And so when I get up to on the mat, outside the ropes, it's like, I can't go under the, I can't go bottom rope. No, That's no. like Miss Elizabeth. No. Right? You got to go over the top. <laughs> That's like over a, the, second. the divas. That's yeah. Miss Elizabeth. I got to go through the second. But I'm like, questionable height for the second. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm thinking to myself, all right, I've never done this before. So I'm going second rope. I committed to second rope. But you're thinking all this, it's like, you got to make the quick decision. But the decision was right away, 
you know what? My height probably should go first rope, but I'm not going first rope. I'm going second rope. And at that point, when you commit to second rope, it's a scary thing because I don't know if I'm going to make it, which means if you don't make it, you're falling on your face in front of a lot of people right there at, to begin the night. And that's a, that's a scary thing. You know, I got the microphone in hand. I got a, a couple sheets of paper with all different sponsors and things were changing left and right with the event that they wanted me to say. And at that moment, I'm thinking, do I go bottom rope or, or, or over the middle rope? Well, I went over the middle rope. It was fine. It ended up being fine. But it's that moment you're like, holy shit. Did you do any slides or roll-ins? I didn't. Oh, man. I would have loved to. I did one. You did? Yeah, when we went in. Oh, you know what I did? Yeah. I did the hop-up from the, from oh, okay. the outside. I would Because I'd have to go in and out of the ring. I would love to, to get announce nice... the winner, to announce the next yeah. match. There were six matches, and we ended with a Royal Rumble at the end. That's what they did. So I had to go up and down. I didn't use the steps every time. But that first time you go in, you're like, what am I going to do? And I went middle rope. But to be in that ring and to be in a ring for the first time... Like, what did you think of the mat? Because I hit you with sweet chin music yeah. and you fell to the mat. I thought it was a little hotter than I was expecting. Yeah. It wasn't as soft as I was hoping. No. No. As you were hoping. Yeah. It was, I, honestly. Not, not as much give. I, I went down for, like, my hand on a three count, <laughs> right, on someone at the end. Just when we were all in there, when the event was over, we were messing around. Yeah. I went down for the three count like I was a ref. And my hand afterwards was, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, I thought I broke my hand. And I'm like, this thing isn't soft. And you see some of the moves they're using. And I can't tell if that is the same, like, padding as they have in the WWE. Like, I don't know. It's a wrestling ring. So I assume they're pretty similar, the way they put them together. Um, but it was, a, it was a fun night. It was a fun event. I hope we can have some more wrestling now, events. what would you do for the young girl who's coming into the ring singing oh. the National Anthem? Oh, that, well, that's... You know what? That's an... <laughs> That's another decision that you yeah. have to make because, you know, old, the old school wrestling fan in me was like, all right, there's somebody coming in after me. So you got to do the Miss Elizabeth, like Macho Man to Miss Elizabeth, op step on the bottom rope and pull up the middle rope. So that's what I did. And you know what? I'm not, it's a decision you make. But at that point, I'm not even thinking. That's just a habit based on what I've seen from old school wrestling. It's natural. It was just a natural. natural. Just, you had a, anyone coming in with you? You got to step on the bottom rope, pull up the middle rope. And it's funny because you do think back at like the old school wrestling when you used to watch like the Macho Man or Hulk Hogan. And uh, it's just, it, it was cool to be involved in, in a wrestling event. Like I can sort of check that one off my list. You know what I mean? I'm not going to WWE um, as far as I know. Not yet. I mean, not yet. I mean, unless Vince McMahon or Triple H, if they saw that sweet chin music that I hit you with after the event in the great, ring. That was a great sell too by myself. It was a great sell. And you fell hard to the mat. If you watch those videos, you will not see me hit you with the leg drop after. Because it was the worst leg drop. I cut that out of the video. I hit you with the worst leg drop. I didn't really commit to it. You kind of put I your hands up, though. I didn't mind. You kind of put your hands up. I didn't up, know it was coming. I was getting ready bit. to get up. Yeah. But anyways. We didn't talk it out before. It's a good event. And you guys raised $10,000 $10, yeah. uh, for the Leahy Holland Community Center. Here in Dorchester. That was this weekend. But uh, we're moving on from wrestling. Though, uh, little tease here. We got a, 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 something wrestling related that I, I do want to mention in, in, in a few minutes. And it does come back to the Celtics game last night. But let's just go over what happened in Game 7. Because Game 7, the Celtics Game 7 win. Now, my prediction, my prediction to this thing, going into the series, was Celtics would win it in seven, mainly because they'd have home court in game seven, right? I thought it was a close matchup when you got into, you know, Wall versus Isaiah, 
uh, Bradley Beal, Avery Bradley. You know, you matched them up. This was a pretty close matchup. And uh, I just thought home court would win out. And it was exactly that type of series. Home court won out. The Celtics had a chance to win game six. But John Wall hit a big boy shot at the end. Tip your cap to John Wall. At the same time, game six, you know, I look back at that one. And that was a game the Celtics should have won. It's a game the Celtics should have won. And I tweeted it out after. And it got some people upset because I said, it's no more complicated. Game six, the game six loss in D.C. was no more complicated than the Celtics missing at least seven layups. And I can't, and look, I know there are some people in this town or just in sports media, reporters, radio hosts, TV commentators in general, they love, people do love to use the, oh, you know, we, they missed easy baskets and that was the difference in the game. I don't usually go there. But at the same time, I, have, I cannot recall a, an NBA game in which I saw so many easy layups. And I'm not just talking about like easy shots. I'm talking about layups where the guy's hand is under the ball and he's right next to the rim and there's no one to his left and there's no one to his right and he can't put it in. I've, the Celtics in game six, they missed at least seven of those. It was driving me crazy. And I said after the game, I tweeted, I goes, game six, you know what? It's no more complicated than this. Sure, John Wall had a big boy shot. But if the Celtics didn't miss layups, and I've never, I have never seen, I've never even made this comment because I've never seen a team miss so many legitimate layups in my life, and they did. There's no, there's no dispute in that. People get mad at me on Twitter, like, oh, that's what anyone's gonna say. Like, shut the fuck up. This is Twitter, I, I, Pete. One, one day, I will be so far gone from Twitter. It's. I'm going to hire someone to handle my own stuff, to, pro, to pump my own shit out there. Um, they're going to, you know, they'll, if I have a thought, I'll text them and say, tweet this. And if it's more than 140 characters, get back to me. I'll send you something shorter. But I just, I'm done. Twitter is just so stupid. It, you know what Twitter is? It's just a bunch of people. It's just a bunch of people who think they're right about everything. That's all Twitter is. It's, it's, I will survive without Twitter. 95% of Twitter won't be able... I don't know what they'll do with their lives. I'll be able to survive without Twitter. I'll be just fine. If, In fact, if you've been following me, you might have even been seeing lately that I, I've been doing a lot less and less of Twitter. And that's only going to continue. I just... That's the way I feel. But um, I, I don't... You know, those tweets that I sent out after Game 6, that, you know, that's the way I felt. But I never felt for one minute that the Celtics are going to lose. That said, I never felt for one minute the Celtics were going to lose this series. Never felt for one minute that that they were going to lose this series. I told you, Game 7, they would win it because it's at home. And that's what happened last night in Game 7. The Celtics defeat the Wizards 115-105. And I'll tell you what, as we get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and we'll get into this in just a moment, as we get into it, as we, we are through two rounds, there's a couple things that, that jump out at me right now with this Celtics team. And, and there's a lot going on because we got the NBA lottery tonight too. Celtics have Brooklyn's pick. They have the best odds, you know, the best chance to get the number one overall pick. That doesn't mean they're going to get it. And in fact, I have a simulation that I'm going to run right now in a few minutes live on this podcast. Right? I'm going to do a simulation. But you got the lottery tonight. You got the Celtics moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um... But through the first two rounds, here's some things that jump out at me. 
A lot of people, a lot of people owe Al Horford an apology in this town. You know that? A a lot of people owe Al Horford an apology. And I'm not one of them. Uh, You know, in the first half of the season, and even into the second half a little bit, I did, I was on there in the radio, I was on this podcast, and I defended Horford to the point where, you know, I I never said he's a max contract guy, but because Horford was going to get one somewhere, I like the fact that the Celtics gave it to him to bring him to Boston, right? I enjoyed enjoyed that move. And even as the season played out, all right, Horford wasn't giving you LeBron James numbers. He's never going to do that. But I absolutely thought, when the NFL season was going on and people were focused in this town on the Patriots for the most part, I think they, I think a lot of people who have a loud voice in this town and break down games, I think they ignored some of the little things that Al Horford does on the court that helped this Celtics team win. Um, you know, it's things like just a couple late blocks in a close game on a Tuesday night against the team and uh, uh, that you're not paying attention to or a game that you're probably not caring about. You know, Al Horford did some things. It's not max contract stuff, but it's good enough stuff that make the Celtics team a better, more productive team and help them to get the one seed in the East with 53 wins. There are a lot of people today that owe Al Horford an apology in this town because he had a great series. For the most part, he's had a very good playoffs. There are a couple of games in this Wizards series where Horford, I mean, he actually did look like a max contract guy. Uh, but, you know, when they signed him to a max deal, I never looked at it and said, he deserves max money. There are a lot of players in the NBA that don't deserve max money. I think the max money that is being spent for some players says more about I think it says more about the teams that are spending it than it does the players themselves. But forget about the money. Al Horford took a beating in this town, from what I heard, and I never thought he deserved it, all right? I never thought he deserved it. I don't think he deserved to be praised as much as Isaiah Thomas should have been praised, but I don't think Al Horford deserved to take the beating that he did. So Al Horford, it was great to see the playoffs and the series that he had against the Wizards and a couple games where he was the best player on the court. And because of it, a lot of people owe Al Horford an apology. They do. Now, that said, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> Who is this man? Who is this Kelly Olenek that we saw? Who is that guy that we saw in Game 7? I'd like to know. Because, look, Olenek did some things so far in these playoffs where we asked, oh, Olenek's about that life. You know, he's getting in people's faces. Um, it happened in the Bulls series. Even happened a couple times. Happened last night at one point. Him and Morris, nose to nose. But Kelly Olynyk last night, off the bench, 28 minutes, 10 of 14 from the field, 2 for 6 behind the three-point line, and he had 26 points off the bench. From my calculations, what do you have, 14 or 16 points in the fourth quarter? There was one stretch where he had like 10 of the Celtics' 12 points in a three-minute stretch in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. Kelly Olenek was the biggest difference maker. There were a couple difference makers that we didn't expect to make a difference last night. Olenek was the biggest one, all right? He was. He played out of his mind. And I don't know if this helps him get get a big payday this offseason, but I can tell you what. I'm not going to apologize to Kelly Olynyk. For the most part, in his Celtics career and his NBA career, he has been so bad defensively that 
whatever offense Kelly Olenek provides is not good enough for me to praise this kid. It just never has been. But Olenek, last night was so good. I we need He needs to be praised for that. If Olenek can look like that against Cleveland, then I'm not saying the Celtics are going to win the series. I'm telling you that they will make it a whole lot more interesting than what a lot of people are going to give them credit for or expect the Celtics to do. Kelly Olenek, last night in Game 7, just was the type of player that I never thought I never thought I would feel this way about Olenek in a game, which is, I'm watching it going, there was a, there was a moment in time where I'm saying to myself, you got to get Olenek in, back into this game. Like, you need to get the ball into Olenek's hands. I, like, I can't believe I even felt this way, but I did. Now, he doesn't deserve an apology from anybody because for the most part, he's been brutal. But Kelly Olenek last night, Deserves a whole lot of credit for the Celtics moving on here to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, not just Olenek, Marcus Smart with 13 points. Smart with a couple big blocks late in this game. He just goes up and grabs some rebounds on some 50-50 balls that, you know, it's tough to find guys with that type of fight. It, it, it is, and I've said this a lot about Marcus Smart. I praise him a lot to the point where I told you he's untouchable. He struggled. He's been struggling for the most part in these playoffs. And I don't, you know, we kind of get the sense that maybe there's something else going on with him. I don't know. Some people have looked and said he's a little overweight. Some people thought maybe it's a confidence issue with him. He definitely has passed up on some easy buckets underneath and around the basket in this series that drive you mad. It's like, just go up with the shot. What are you dishing it back out for? So, Smart's been dealing with something. He's been battling something. And it's... You know what? It's 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 affected him in a way where I wanted to see Marcus Smart be relied upon to be like the first guy coming off the bench, to be someone that they're giving big minutes to every single night. I know he got 30 minutes last night, but you know, for the most part in this series and in these playoffs, eh, you haven't really been begging for Marcus Smart to get 30 minutes. As as big of a smart guy as I am. But Smart had a nice night. 13 points, again, couple big blocks, couple big rebounds. He had six rebounds, four assists, played 30 minutes, four of seven from the field, hit both of his three-point shots that he attempted. Um, Marcus Smart, what was this? And I think this was today, this morning. He was speaking to reporters, and um, <laughs> this is sort of bringing it back into wrestling because he let us in on a nickname that I didn't know Marcus Smart had this nickname. But here's Marcus Smart talking to reporters. And I got this um, from WBZ Channel 4 here in Boston. This was on uh, on Twitter earlier. I saw this clip. Marcus, how would you describe yourself as somebody, to somebody who's never seen you play before? Junkyard Dog. My nickname growing up was Hound Dog. The Junkyard Dog. Just because, you know... Um, some, some, most of the time, the wins aren't going to be pretty. You know, you, you can't be out there looking pretty. It's going to get ugly. You got to be willing to stick your nose in there and, uh, and get bloody a little bit, and that's me. You know, I'm willing to sacrifice my, my body and for my team. That's him. Let's hear it. Here's his entrance music. <laughs> Listen to this song for a minute. Grab them cakes. Junkyard Dog, old school WWF. Okay, 
I have the old, you know the old school, Pete, the old school, like, figurines, like the, the bigger ones, they're almost like rubber. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I have a junkyard dog, and it was, you know, one of the, you know, one of the favorite wrestling toys that I had as a kid. The junkyard dog, he's old school. I don't even know if he's still alive. He's still alive? I mean, come on, at this stage of the game with the old school WWF guys, if you were to put your money, if you were to play the dead or alive game, you'd put your money on dead for a lot of these guys. Because that's just the way it's gone. <laughs> Marcus Ma calls himself the Junkyard Dog. And this is the Junkyard Dog's entrance music in old school WWF. <laughs> Grab them cakes. That's what he does. He grabs them cakes not, off the board, baby. He's not baby. talking about food. <laughs> right? <laughs> a G-R-A-B-T-H-E-M-C-A-K-E-S. <laughs> What's he saying? <laughs> what a song. Does he give it one more? I think. There's got to be a music video to this, too. It sounds like he's filming a porn. Grab them cakes. Oh, Marcus Motts, the junkyard dog of the Boston Celtics and the NBA, and he's going to need to be the junkyard dog here in the Eastern Conference Finals as the Celtics will play the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, uh, well, if you look at the four teams that are left in the NBA playoffs, the Celtics have the third best odds to win the NBA championship. The third best odds. The Golden State Warriors are currently the favorite. The Cleveland Cavaliers... Uh, they have the second best odds, the Celtics the third best, and the San Antonio Spurs, out of the four teams left, have the worst odds to win the NBA championship, and that's probably because Kawhi Leonard is out with an injury. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, they lead that series one to nothing. They had that big comeback in game one. Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Z- the whole Zaza Pachulia thing, did he get underneath? Kawhi Leonard to the point where that's a dirty play. Did you see that, Pete? Zaza, do you think that's a dirty play? Uh, I wouldn't call it dirty. I think it's just like it was tactical, though. He definitely meant to kind of. All right, so Kawhi Leonard goes up with a shot, and I'll get back to Cleveland Celtics in a second, but we're just kind of going over the odds, and, and this is why the Celtics don't have the worst odds to win the championship, and the Spurs do, is because Kawhi Leonard's out. He's out because he went up for a shot. It was sort of a fadeaway shot, I think. You know, kind of baseline in front of the bench. And Zaza Pachulia goes up to block it and then takes a couple steps into him. So Kawhi Leonard comes down and Pachulia's leg is underneath him. And he comes down, he rolls his ankle. No structural damage, but it's looking like he's... Kawhi Leonard's not going to play game two, which is actually tonight in Golden State. And because of that, the Warriors are a 13.5-point favorite in this game too tonight. But... you So, dirty play or no? Yes or no? I'm going no. 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 I'm, go, I'm going no too. And I know... I know that Popovich wanted to... He went off. Pop went off. And I think he's just defending his guy. And I think he's just trying to fire his team up. But honestly, to a man... Alright, nobody wants to see guys continuing to just... What are we calling it? Bridge someone? I don't know. Like, just run underneath them. 
But this is a sport in which, if you're, to me, if you're going to complain about that, if you're going to complain about a guy going up, contesting a shot, and somebody comes down on him after, then don't jump. I mean, this is a sport where you're jumping and throwing up a shot, and if a guy's in your face, most of the time, whether he means it or not, whether there's intent or not, he's going to end up, his legs are going to end up around your landing spot, right? Like, if we're going to start arguing about that and calling people dirty because of that, stop jumping, which means just stop playing the game. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm not to the point where that, to me, is going to, or should be considered dirty. Um, I just, I'm sorry. It shouldn't. So, it's unfortunate that Kawhi Leonard got hurt, but it's not the first time a guy came down on someone's leg or someone's foot, and it's not going to be the last. That's, to me, that's just the sport. And, uh, you know, if you want to take a shot and get an open look, then find a better way to get an open look. I don't know. That's just kind of the way I feel. I, I think it's sort of petty to be arguing somebody else landed on someone. I know Petrulia took a couple steps, but, I mean, you can make the argument, too, that he's just defending the shot. You're talking right? about a matter of inches, too. If he doesn't move one more inch, he's not yeah. landing on his foot. So. Well, Kawhi Leonard's out, and I think that's why San Antonio in Vegas right now, the fourth best odds, the worst odds to win the championship, the Celtics, uh, the third best odds, Cleveland, second best odds, and Golden State, the best odds to win it all. Golden State leads that series over San Antonio one game to nothing. They'll play game two before the Celtics Cavaliers even play game one. Um, the Celtics for game one tomorrow night on Wednesday night at the Garden against Cleveland. The Celtics are a four-point dog. Pete, are you giving the Celtics a chance to win this series? No, but I'm giving them a chance to win this game, baby. I'm giving them a chance to split at home. And... I'm giving them a chance to also split in Cleveland. I am. I Look, you laugh. And I'm not telling you I'm giving them a chance to win the series. The Celtics are not going to win this series. Am I going to root for myself to be wrong? Of course I fucking am. I don't want to see Cleveland win. I want to see the Celtics win. All right? The Celtics are my team. I'll be rooting for the Celtics. I'll be flipping the bird to LeBron James through my TV. All right? And, um... I want to see the Celtics win. I hope I'm wrong. But if you're asking me to think realistically and look at this thing from the perspective of here's what the NBA is and here's what the Celtics are and here's what Cleveland is, then I'm going to tell you that the Cavaliers are going to win this series. They are. They're going to win this series. But I do think that the Boston Celtics are going to make it interesting. I don't think this is going to be a sweep. Cleveland swept the first-round series against the Pacers. Cleveland swept their second-round series against the... Uh, Toronto Raptors, they have yet to lose, but they are going to lose at least one game. At least one game against the Celtics. I actually, I'm going to put money that the Celtics win too. This thing's going six. And if they split, okay, I think that's where you get that game five at the Garden, and that's where LeBron sees his team back against the wall, and he has one of those crazy 45-point performances, wins one at the Garden, Wins another one at the Garden, takes a 3-2 series lead, and he gets Game 6 back in his home court in Cleveland, and they finish it out. I think that's the way this series is going to go. I think they're going to split at the Garden. I think they're going to split in Cleveland. I think this thing's going to be tied at 2 after 4. I do. I think that's the way it's going to be. And for anybody that's going to laugh and say, you're a green teamer, this, that, the other thing, if you, if honestly, I'm not telling you Celtics are going to win the series. I'm just saying they, they are good enough to win two games. And I don't just say that because they won 53 in the regular season. I don't just say that because they were the one seed. 
I say that because I've seen this Celtics group play against Cleveland. I've seen this Celtics group play against Golden State. I've seen this Celtics group step up and show up in big games, okay? I've seen it. And I think they're good enough, especially if they're going to get some of the secondary performances out of guys like Avery Bradley, even a Kelly. I don't think you can ask Kelly Olenek to do what he did last night in the fourth quarter, especially. I don't think you're going to ask him to do that in any game in this series. But if he can, it's a bonus. You know, the secondary guys that need to step up outside of Isaiah Thomas, anyone outside Isaiah Thomas is what I call a secondary guy. Al Horford, sure. Avery Bradley, though. You know, when Avery Bradley's hitting his threes, he's hitting his shots, this is a different Celtics team. It is. And then when you can get Horford to hit some threes and Crowder to hit some threes, it's it's a different ball game. So, um, I'm sorry. I think the Celtics, I think they're going to win two. And I don't think that's being a green teamer. I think that's being realistic as to what the Celtics are, as to seeing how the Celtics play against these teams. Cleveland, my pick, is Cleveland wins it in six. They win game five. LeBron is a phenomenal performance at the Garden in Game 5. Everyone will be talking about it the next day. And then Cleveland will win Game 6 in their own building to close out uh, and, and close out the Celtics and end this thing. And I still think we're going to see an NBA Finals of Golden State versus Cleveland. But just an interesting note, for this seven-game series between the Celtics and the Cavs, we're not going to get the extra day in between games. It's going to be Wednesday, Friday. Then it's going to be Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, there's no extra day. There's only one day off in between each game of this series. And if it does go seven, if seven is necessary, it's game six Saturday. You got Sunday off and you got game seven on a Monday night, May 29th. But game one is tomorrow night, Wednesday night at the TD Garden. And the Celtics, I think, you know, they're a four-point dog. I'm going to be tempted to not just take the points, but I'm going to be tempted to just take the Celtics money line, Pete. In game one, I'm telling you, they're going to split at the Garden. They're going to split in Cleveland. And I do want to actually mention one other guy. I know I've, I've talked about the, the big game players in game seven. Uh, Olenek was the difference maker. Marcus Smart did some things. The junkyard dog, you know, grab them cakes uh, coming in off the bench. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown gave you, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't play that much, but he played enough to the point where you're looking at him going, that's an off. That's having an awful lot of confidence in a kid who. I mean, he played twenty minutes, but nine points in twenty minutes. Again, I don't think the production jumps off the page. But if you watch this game, Jalen Brown, you know, gave you maybe some of the most meaningful minutes out of anybody on the Celtics team. All right, it's not going to. Sh- maybe it won't show up in the box score, but Jalen Brown. If he's going to be playing with that type of confidence, I mean, who knows? Who knows what this thing's going to look like? So, uh, that's just another guy. I did not want to ignore Jalen Brown and his contributions to Game 7 last night. But, look, I'm picking the Cavs to win it in six games. Whatever happens, I'll continue to break it all down. Tonight is the NBA lottery. So, there's this whole other storyline with the Celtics. They got Brooklyn's pick. They could get number one overall. I think that regardless of what pick the Celtics get, me personally, I'd like to see them trade that pick and bring in, because if they do get number one and that pick ends up having more value than maybe it did during the trade deadline where people didn't know what pick that was going to be, I think that you might be able to give up less from your roster because that pick now has even more trade value 
I would like to see them move that pick, sign Isaiah Thomas to a max contract. If you want to go out and bring in Gordon Haywood, so be it. But I think you trade that pick and bring in a proven scorer to this team and find a way to try to win that way. That's what I think. Because I'm not going anywhere near Lonzo Ball and his $500 sneakers and $250 flip-flops and his dickhead father. I'm not going anywhere near that Ball family. It's just not happening. Let him go to L.A. Let let them, let Magic Johnson, let the Lakers deal with them. I'm, I'm, I don't want to deal with the, the Ball family. But I, I just think whatever pick you get, if I'm going to make the pick, I'm going to take Josh Jackson. I know people want to take Fultz. Eh, I, th- I think I'm going with Jackson. But my preference would be to not make the pick if you get number one and trade it. And even if it's not number one, trade the pick. And uh, see what type of value you get there. So let's, let's do it, Peach. I'm going to do it. I have it in front of me. NBA Lottery Simulator. It's, this is on, what, Real GM is a website. I've done it a couple times. I'm going to give you a live simulation. The Celtics have the best odds to get the number one overall pick at 25%. The Suns, second best odds, 19.9%. The Lakers, the third best, 15.6%. The 76ers, the fourth best, 11.9%. Let's do it. I'm going to hit the button right now. This is a live NBA lottery on this Tuesday morning. Uh, here it is. Here we go. Hitting the button. Oh, <laughs> with the number one overall pick in the draft, it goes to the Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> who had a 1.7% chance. The lake is number two and the Celtics with three. I mean, you can get screwed like that. You can do it. Let's do it again, just for shits and giggles. Let's do it one more time. Okay. Lakers number one, <laughs> Celtics number two. Let's do it again. How many times do I have to do it to get the Celtics with one? I did it again. The Mavericks. Oh, this is... What? This is bogus. Mavericks get number one again. What are the odds of that? One more time. One more time. Knicks. Celtics get four. How many times do I have to do it for the Celtics to get one? Hey! hey Celtics get the number yeah. one overall pick. Only took it eight times. Oh, man. Um, wow. Do you think we're going to get screwed? you think Celtics are <laughs> getting screwed tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, I, I don't have it. a good feeling. You, you know what I think is going to – but I think – you know how they, they get down to the, to the wire, right? Don't they, don't they get down to, like, the final two and then they flip the card, yeah. right? And you find out who gets number two right there. They, like, cut it down and they drag it out and they go to commercial break. That's what we're going to see, and that's when the Celtics get screwed. I don't think they're going to be sitting there and they'll be like, oh, the Celtics get the fourth pick. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll be in the final there. They'll go to commercial. They'll tease us along. And then the Celtics get screwed. Here's what I'm going to put my money on. I'm going to put my money on the Lakers getting the number one overall pick. That's what I'm doing. I think the Lakers are going to get number one overall. And I think the Celtics will get two. And I think that will set it up for the Lakers to take ball. The Celtics will have two. I, I they, There's some trade value there. Um, but that's the way this thing's going to go down with the Celtics tonight in the lottery. But you know what? The Celtics win, and that they win Game 7. They go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's a, it's a, either way, this is a great day for the Celtics organization, a team that, let's think about this. I mean, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. 
Doc Rivers is with the Clippers. They're, who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what they're going to look like? He wanted out of Boston. He wanted to play in meaningful games, Doc Rivers. What meaningful games is he playing in? He's not playing in a conference final, I'll tell you that. So you bring in Brad Stevens, you go out and trade for Isaiah Thomas, and, you know, in the process of all that, you ended up also helping Cleveland get LeBron James. Remember that? They took, you know, some, some money off the books to help clear some space up for LeBron. I mean, you made those trades, you get Isaiah Thomas. This is... The Celtics are in a situation right now where not only are they the one seed in the East, but in my opinion, they've lived up to, to the expectations of being a one seed, which is get into the conference finals. And now they're here. And you cannot tell me if the Celtics lose to Cleveland, which I think they're going to, I told you, in six. You cannot tell me that this season is a failure if they lose to Cleveland. It's not. It, this is a success. And I think what you showed game seven last night, it's on national TV. It was the only NBA game being played. The whole world was watching. Potential free agents were watching. You know, anybody that wanted to maybe come to the Celtics or thought about coming to the Celtics, you're going to have Blake Griffin out there. You're going to have Gordon Haywood out there. These guys are watching the Celtics team going, that's an exciting team to play for. And there's some guys that probably are confident in the fact that if they went to the Celtics, they'd be enough to get them past LeBron. I don't know if that would be hatred for LeBron or self-confidence in their own game. Perhaps both. But you got some guys that are paying attention to the Celtics. They saw them bringing Horford last year. They saw them in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes as one of the final teams involved in that. They see him going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And guess what? They're going to see the Celtics make it interesting. Not win it, but make it interesting. And I'm telling you right now, that's going to help the Celtics when it does come to free agent stuff and, and... I just think the Celtics are in a great place, even if they do get screwed tonight in the NBA lottery. So uh, I'll be back later in the week to sort of break that lottery thing down. But that's the way the NBA playoffs look. The Stanley Cup playoffs, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, That series is tied at one. Then in the Western Conference Finals, you have the Nashville Predators and the Anaheim Ducks. That series is tied at one. Tell you what, if it is, I mean, if it's Ottawa in the Stanley Cup Finals versus Anaheim, that's tough. At least Nashville, they got this country music storyline. Like, you know, that place is rocking. Bring us back to Nashville, baby. Right? You just got back from Nashville. Yeah, yeah. down last weekend. Your voice, you still. Oh, I'm back, baby. I, I don't know. It sounds like you still lost your voice a little bit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you know, I think Nashville, Nashville, Pittsburgh would be good. Go Preds. Nashville, Pittsburgh would be good, but Anaheim Senators would be horrible. That'd be horrible. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, uh, that's what we got going on. Playoff basketball, playoff hockey. Just before I go, there are a couple things, you know, I last talked to you in the middle of last week when Chris Mannix was in studio Great stuff from him. It's all still timely. Go back and listen to it. Um, subscribe to the show on iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available, also on the Podcast One Network. But a couple things that have happened since that last podcast that I need to get off my chest that I've been concerned about, Pete. Like, I've been concerned about this one thing. And you could tell me if you're concerned or not. Some people say I'm overreacting. But as you know, Pete, and as I've told the listeners of the show, I'm a very superstitious cat. Um, 
if you see me cross the street and there's, you know, the yellow lines, I'm not stepping on them. I'm stepping over the lines. When I walk down the street on the sidewalk, I do everything I can to not step on the cracks. Okay? (laughs) I will never walk underneath the ladder. All right? And if a black cat crosses my path wherever I'm going, I will begin to sweat profusely (laughs) to the point where I'm scared for my life. I am the most superstitious person maybe that you've heard talk about superstitions. I'm sure there are a lot of professional athletes that are probably more superstitious than me. But I'm just telling you, I'm a superstitious guy. So with that said, you can only imagine what was going through my head when it was announced that Tom Brady would be on the cover of Madden 2018. Madden 18, the NFL video game from EA Sports. As you know, the Madden curse is a real thing. When you're on the cover of Madden, more it's more probable than not that it isn't going to end well for you, whether it's that season or whether it's the rest of your career. I don't think there's anybody out there that looks at the Madden cover and doesn't think of a curse, whether you believe it's cursed or not. When you see the Madden cover, one of the first things that always goes through your head is, how's this guy's season going to go? Is it not? Pete, is it not? Don't you all, whether you believe in curses or not, do you not think to yourself, oh, I wonder how this guy's season is going to go? After oh, being I, on be- the cover I believe in the curse. You do? Why do you think they kept Garoppolo? <laughs> maybe, they, maybe they knew that he was going no, on the cover. I, I, uh, look, <laughs> look, look, here's the deal. It's not just the curse and the fear that something could happen to Tom Brady that scares me because he's on the cover of Madden. It's also the thought of, why is Tom Brady doing this? It's, it's beginning to scare me. Because you know the theory that's out there. Yeah, I don't know if you ever listened to me on EEI, WEI in Boston. When people call into my radio show on the weekends, when we've had this conversation of what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo, why are the Patriots keeping him around, there are a lot of people, believe it or not, that actually think Tom Brady is going to call it quits after next season. And I know Brady, I think in a recent interview with ESPN the other day, said that he wants to play until he's 45. That's not breaking news. That's not the first time we've heard him say that, and it won't be the last. Fine. But Tom Brady, being on the cover of Madden, says something to me that that I've I've never thought of and I've always laughed at. I've laughed at the people that call in and said, well, he doesn't have much time left and he knows it regardless of what he says. I see Tom Brady on the cover of Madden, Pete. I start thinking about those theories. I start thinking like, is he just, he's, he's taking care of all of it. He doesn't know when the end is the end. So, you know, he, maybe he's doing it for his kids, right? But if this guy honestly believes he's going to play until he's 45 and he's got another five-plus years left. What is making him do the Madden cover right now? Is he thinking to himself, maybe I don't have much time to be on the Madden cover, right? So let's take care of it while I'm still playing. And if that's a mindset he has, maybe he's closer to calling it quits than he's leading us all to believe, even though he says he wants to play till he's 45. It's not just the curse. It's the thought process of wanting to be on this video game cover, which concerns me about Tom Brady. Because 
I don't ever want to see a football game for the New England Patriots ever again that doesn't have Tom Brady under center. All right? But the more we discuss this, the more we talk about it, and the more I think about him on the cover of this video game, the more it concerns me, or at least to the point where I'm starting to think, is the end closer than maybe he's basically telling us? Like, does he feel differently deep down inside behind the scenes than he's saying in all these interviews and the media is asking him about Garoppolo, about how long he has left to play. Look, I know father time is undefeated, but I'm sitting here telling you, I think it's realistic that Brady could play another three to five years with the Patriots to the point where I want to see it happen and I want to see them trade Garoppolo. Well, Brady's now on the cover of Madden and he's putting videos out where he's walking under fucking ladders and shit. He's breaking mirrors. Um, They got the Bubble Boy video. I think it's just pretty funny for TV 12. But Brady on the cover of Madden, it's not something I ever think that he would accept doing. And I guess I I asked the question, why? Why now? And what's the future hold for Tom Brady? It's a scary thought. And I don't say this as someone who's looking to fire up the phone lines and throw out a hot take because we don't have phone lines on this show. And when it comes to hot takes, I don't know if they're hot, if they're cold, or whatever the fuck you call them on Twitter. But you know what I do? I give you my honest opinion every single day, every single show, every single tweet. And my honest opinion is, when Brady decides he's going on the cover of Madden, it starts to get me thinking that perhaps the end is sooner than he's letting us all believe. Which scares the living shit out of me. As a Patriots fan. As a Tom Brady fan is that I don't think I'm prepared for the end of Tom Brady, especially seeing the way he's playing. But when I see him on the cover of Madden, okay, that was not a good day, in my opinion, (laughs) for me me and how I feel about Brady and the New England Patriots and their future. That said, do I think the Patriots have the ability to win 13, 14 games and get back to the Super Bowl? Of course they do. As long as Brady's out there and as long as Belichick's still coaching, the Patriots will win the division. They will get to the conference championships. And perhaps depending on where that game is and what their competition is, they will get to the Super Bowl. That's just the way this thing is going to work with or without a Madden cover. Okay? But because of the curse and because of what we all think about when we see a guy on that cover, I just, when I saw that, I was concerned with it. I I did not put it this way. I did not like seeing that. If you told me before that was out that I had a choice to put Brady on the cover and get this greatest of all time edition or put anybody else on the cover on any team, I would say, I want you to put anybody else on the cover. Give me the field. Give me anyone, okay? It doesn't matter. Pick them. Pick a guy in the league. Pick a superstar in the league. Put him on there. You want to put Derek Carr on there? Put him on there. I'm not trying to wish him the best. I'm just not trying to wish Tom Brady the worst. That's all. That's all. So uh, Brady's on the cover of Madden. Something I just didn't think we'd be seeing. And uh, more than anything has me concerned with maybe what his mindset is as to just how much time he actually is going to play this game. Which I don't ever want to see the end of Tom Brady because the minute that that's over... Uh, it, there's going to be a, a, a reality is going to set in where when you look at the schedule 
I don't care how good Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. It's ne- the pa- what the Patriots are doing and have done and what we expect them to do, it's never going to be the same when Brady's gone. It's not. It's never going to be the same. So I don't, I, I don't want that to end. And when you see him on the cover of Madden, kind of makes me think, oh, it, it's a reality check. Like, the end is actually near, <laughs> right? Because you don't think Tom Brady had chances to go on the cover of Madden? And I know they had fan votes, but let's be honest. I've never seen Brady in the fan vote. If he wanted to be in the fan vote, he could have been, right? You don't think that they would have asked him? Of course they would have. Of course they would have. But Brady's on the cover of Madden. And uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. Finally, wrapping up the show here. One other quick thought, and it's Red Sox related. Everybody wants a new manager. I don't. It's honestly the dumbest. It's just it's the stupidest. I think the stupidest argument in sports is arguing about a manager in baseball. They don't do much. Okay, I, I just they get too much credit. And they get way too much blame. Every manager that's ever lived in the history of baseball. The fire in the manager argument is an argument that honestly drives me out of the business. <laughs> it drives me out of the business. I don't, it's just so stupid to me. At some point, guys have to go out in that field and produce and perform. I even said this. You know how strongly I feel about that? I even felt this way when Bobby Valentine was the Red Sox manager. When Bobby V in 2012. Speaking of Bobby V, David Ortiz, in his new book, there's, the excerpts are coming out, and you know they're trying to sell it. I get it. But David Ortiz is complaining about Bobby V because of a what a situation in which Bobby V called out Mike Aviles and Aviles was all upset and the players went in the room and they're like you can't talk to a player like that the 2012 Red Sox and I said this at the time the 2012 Red Sox they they came off at the time when they were all about firing the manager instead of going out to produce they they seemed like and they came off as the Biggest group of spoiled crybabies you could ever see in professional sports. That's what they came off as. And seeing this excerpt from the David Ortiz book, again, just confirms that and makes it seem like an even bigger group of spoiled crybabies. Like, when I look at that season, I think to myself, all right, let's look at some of the better players in the team that year. We'll look at John Lester. John Lester in 2012. Ready for this? Lester in 2012. 9-14 record in 33 starts. A 9-14 record. A 4.82 ERA. And 205 innings pitched. I'm looking at his career. That is the single worst ERA in a season that he's had. Okay? Why did he have the worst season of his career in 2012? John Lester in 33 starts. Is it because he hated his manager? Is it because his manager was no good? Is it because his manager was... Look, and I'm not... Look, Bobby V was a dink, okay? He was an absolute dink. But guess what? In the way I feel about Major League Baseball, you should still be able to go out and win with a manager who is a complete and utter dink, especially if you're a starting pitcher. You go out in the mound once every five nights. And... Your production on that mound, the way you produce, 
your ERA, y'all reckon, should have nothing to do with your relationship with the manager or the manager's relationship with a teammate of yours. I'm sorry, it shouldn't. So what are we doing? Are we looking at John Lester 2012 and blaming that on Bobby V? Or are we going to blame John Lester? And because when you have one of your best starting pitchers having a career-worst year, when, when you have a, a season that falls apart on you, are you blaming that on the manager? Or are you blaming that on the starting pitcher, one of your starting pitchers who's supposed to be one of your best players, who has a terrible season? It's just, to me, I don't put it on the manager. That don't, at some point, it's on the players. It's just that whole, that whole team, I don't like Bobby V, but there's, there's another way to go. There are other ways to go about it. It's the way they came off is just this big group of crybabies that couldn't take... They couldn't take criticism from their skipper. Like, shut the fuck up and go out and play. What does it matter? All right? Just go out and produce. They they sound like a bunch of guys who have never had to work a day in their lives, and they've just been playing baseball, everything's been handed to them, and the minute they run across somebody that tells them they don't like something they don't like, they start whining and bitching and complaining about it and run into ownership. Get rid of this guy. Man, and if look, you're going I don't know if st- some stuff's going to come out if the Red Sox season collapses here this season, which I don't think it will, but they've definitely hit some bumps in the road. If if this thing doesn't turn out the way that maybe they hoped, I don't know if you start hearing things come out that players don't like Farrell, whatever. It, it, it's not going to be on Farrell. But you got a lot of people in this town that just want to get rid of the manager. And I'm sorry. I'm not there. And I don't think I ever will be. If, if, if you... All right. You know what? If you go another season and you don't make the playoffs, then... All right. You made it last year. But you didn't make the playoffs. I, I, you know, you, you struggled a little bit with Farrell after you won the World Series in 2013. If you don't make the playoffs this year, guess what? I can understand at the end of the season, you reevaluate. You want to get a new manager in here. Fine. But right now, during the season... Can we stop just blaming everything on the on a guy who writes out the lineup card and might go out to the bullpen to bring in a reliever every once in a while? Like, stop. Enough. Go out and get the job done. And that's it. But the, it just seems like the popular argument is when things go wrong, it's got to be Farrell's fault. We need a new guy in here. Oh, God. Drive me nuts. We're going to have more of it all summer, I feel like. And have more of it all summer. But uh, the Celtics can, can help us now in the Eastern Conference Finals. They can help us maybe avoid the managerial talk with the Red Sox. And I'll be reacting to game number one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Cavaliers. I'll be back Thursday morning. Subscribe to this show on iTunes, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. Don't forget, give me a review. You know, I found out that, you know, you got to review the show on iTunes. You know, you get a little more action than just downloads and subscriptions. Review the show, even if it's a terrible review. Tell me I suck. Go ahead. I don't care. You think I give a fuck what you think? I don't. I can live without Twitter. When twi- If Twitter ended tomorrow, Pete... I would be able to live my life, probably even a happier life than I would with Twitter. I'll be just fine without Twitter. There are a lot of people that cannot say that. 
I'm out. Talk to you Thursday.